All right, this is Euphoria, the podcast all about the secret romance between Martin Fisher-Lunga and Trevor Quickshot Henry. <laughs> Filled with all the juicy, intimate details you can't get anywhere else. I'm your host, Daniel Dracos, the OG Deficio X Quickshot Stan, which I've been told either means stalker slash fan or is a reference to the Eminem song. Uh, hopefully not the second one, in which case that'd be very messed up and very dark. But don't worry, boys, I won't be sending you any letters anytime soon. But welcome, Quickshot. Uh, we're available on YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud in case you somehow forgot or aren't listening on one of those three, um, which would be impressive. Good on, good on you for figuring that out. That would be pretty cool. Maybe someone is actually... Uh, Pirate radioing it. Like. Yeah, or they wrote everything down and they're reading it off to someone. Mm-hmm. That would also be pretty cool. Uh, before anyone uh, instantly quits the podcast because we don't have a pro player here, what? I will let you know that Quickshot is actually a former pro player. Well, I mean, as uh, as pro as you can be, pro. He is a pro player. Therefore, we did bring a player. We we stuck but, with the Euphoria yeah, thing. Hold on. If you're not if you're not familiar with the South African Call of Duty scene, are you really an <laughs> esports exactly. fan? Do you guys actually know the name of the team that I played for no. and I managed and I ran? Now, the Quick reason, shots. The reason you don't know it, and the reason that it's not super publicly advertised, is it was called BFB and it stood for Big Fat Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we we didn't exactly take ourselves. The most serious. We didn't get the big uh, non-endemic sponsors. But <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, yeah, TLDR is uh, 15, 16 years ago now. Holy crap! Um, played in South Africa. Actually, managed to get to, to DreamHack. Managed to get to Antwerp Esports Festival. Got my ass handed to me by Dignitas and HTK's former, you know, Call of Duty squads. They were actually like really if good you, if back you in the beat day. Them, we could have been watching BFB. Exactly. Like, yeah. Team yeah. In exactly. Yes. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that definitely was not going to be the future career, uh, unfortunately for me. But a pro player nonetheless. <laughs> you guys can't complain. <laughs> Thank Talk you. About so stuff. this is just to defend Deficio's. Uh, it's because uh, in- so I did for so on Twitter I did this really awesome tweet in my opinion where I introduced you and Max Law. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, you know, we're with this person who's just perfect. You know, everything about him is great. Shucks. And I'm like, you guys already guessed it's Quickshot. And I said, we also have Max Law. Mm. So I was like, that's funny. Except there was only one part of that tweet that wasn't true. Max Law wasn't coming. <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing, right? So I thought it was funny as hell. So then Dragos writes to me and he goes like, we don't have Max Law. He wasn't supposed to be on. And I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so I delete it. I write a new tweet. I put grammar errors in there, like a couple of them. So I delete that tweet again. And then I finally get the third tweet out saying, Max, I was not even supposed to be on. Uh, and then people started replying, being like, oh, but you don't have a player then. Where's the player? We want a player. And I'm like, we have quick shot. Yeah, thanks. People so, didn't really get too excited about that one. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. Great, great start to that. Great, great excellent. Show. Yeah. So, so where are we going next? First you claim <laughs> well, he's a pro done. player. Well, we're done. This is it. <laughs> well, no. So he's a pro player. Our producer, Phil, had a good idea coming from some people who came out uh, in as listeners and said, we want more introductions. And apparently there's a lot of people here who might not be familiar with, what, 2014 League of Legends, which is probably fair. There's probably new. So, Deficio, do you want to sure. give a similar TLDR intro, maybe not of your Call of Duty pro history? Well, I want to get another one from Trevor as well regarding his League of Legends career. But my intro... Uh, 2012, I unsuccessfully tried to become a pro player in League of Legends. I got mad. I uh, retired myself and <laughs> said, I just want to create a team now. Uh, so I created the first uh, professional full Danish League of Legends lineup, the one that became Copenhagen Wolves and with Bjergsen on and so on. Uh, a couple of weeks before the qualifier for the very first LCS, uh, we needed a support. I never played support before. But I th- it figured, showed. Yeah, I could learn Nuno and Lulu. 
because they were pretty easy. So I spent two weeks learning that. We qualified for the LCS, even though we were never supposed to That qualify. was in Warsaw, right? The, that was in uh, Warsaw. Yeah, you were casting I have a that. story about this later. Uh, so anyway, so we got into the LCS. Uh, I got to play as a support for a year. It was fun enough, but I was kind of hoping to do other stuff in, uh, in esports behind the scenes. So when I had the opportunity, I got to do the World Final Season 3 at Stable Center as a player on the Casta Disc. Doing pick and ban phase. I was only allowed doing pick and ban phase. Then yeah. I got kicked off. It was all Jets idea. Uh, I, I got it. I sat it in my NIP jersey. <laughs> I looked really dumb. Um, anyway, after that, apparently it was pretty good. So Riot uh, said, hey, maybe you should try and become a caster. And then uh, I started practice casting with Quickshot and D-Man. Yeah, it helped a lot that I was a color caster at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty big quality bump. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the competition wasn't content. very tough. Pastures yeah. uh, <laughs> for Deficio. I think I beat... Tr- quick shot in popularity when I couldn't speak English and everyone hated me but most people <laughs> kind of yeah. hated you, you and I definitely came <laughs> yeah. with the dark days yeah yeah it was bad history. but anyway that's how I became a caster and I just want last part of this I know it's been more than a minute uh, now that we talked about us not being popular back in the day <laughs> I remember going into 2015 when Joe uh, Miller and Demon had announced they were not gonna move with us to Berlin uh, we sat in a hotel room we looked at each other and said, okay, so here's the situation. <laughs> Quickshot, you're going to go to be a play-by-play, which is what you always wanted. I'm going to be the only color caster. We're only two casters now. Reddit doesn't really like us. Yep. This announcement is going to go down really well. Yep. And we're like, yeah, Joe and D-Man are gone. Here's... We were quite literally <laughs> shitting ourselves. Like, it was a very scary time. But fortunately, uh, I think we came into in the right headspace. And we're like, okay, we just need to get as good as we, we can. Could we could only go up. Bear. Exactly. We could literally only go up. Uh, in the end of that spring split, which was actually the very famous uh, Flash Bear Slap, Trevor Kiss Me kind of stuff, I think we got out, got out on, the, on the right side. Yeah. And uh, that kind of built the foundation for the Quick Shot Deficio thing as well. Also, really set up the kind of the history of Trevor yelling random ability names, which is very hey, that might come now. It was a claim to fame. I mean, there you go. That's actually what got me my job. So, you heard South African. uh, I've been involved in esports, like watching and playing and competing from probably like 13 or 14 years old. I'm 31 now. So, it's a really long time that I've been involved. Um, I was actually watching Joe Miller and D Man for about eight to nine years before I got to work with them. And then all of the magic of the famous shoutcaster was thrown out the window because in my very first year, D-Man and I shared a hotel room for three months. <laughs> so there are some lovely memories of us eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream in our underwear, playing League of Legends in a hotel room. It was a special time. There you go. It's um, bonding. But the reason that I ended up like, getting hired in the first place is uh, I stopped playing League. Um, my, my, uh, sorry, I stopped playing Call of Duty. My brother introduced me to League. And... Uh, he stopped teaching me. I, I didn't, couldn't really get the game. So I started learning by just reading like Mobify guides and, and, and Reddit things. Learned all the spell names. And I was the first guy to start using spell names actively in commentary. Uh, and then Reddit threads started saying, well, how can this random South African guy know all the spell names, but Joe Mill and D-Man don't? Ooh, and that was my nice. claim to Throwing fame. Shade back him. in back in 2012. And you were solo casting. Solo casting that. a lot. Uh, got hired, got picked up for LCS, but they basically said, hey, look, we have D-Man and Joe Miller, like the best play-by-plays on the planet at the time, basically. Um, so you have to do an analysis and color casting. And, the, the and you show, know all the ability names, I, so dude, clearly that's you're that's prepared. It, that's <laughs> but like, you know, the show was so much younger, it was so much less evolved, uh, and that was in 2013. So 
since then just been on the LCS and managed to get to play by play 2015. And that's really when things started to pick up and take off. So quick history of me and casting in esports. He actually casted me before I went full-time pro, losing to uh, M5. And by losing, I mean getting absolutely destroyed. <laughs> was that in, was that in the 4PL event or was it go for lol? I, I think you actually did a couple of casts yeah, with us. Uh, the one I remember specifically was the DreamHack qualifier. Yes. Yeah. We, we got to the quarterfinal and then we were like, oh, who did we play in the bracket? Dude, that stung M5. so badly because I got to do the DreamHack online qualifier for the entire event, but did not get invited to the event. Oh. So <laughs> it was like, you're good enough for online, bro. And I was like, oh, it was like one of my first rejections when I was still freelance. There you oh go. Drakus, what's your story? Oh, dude. My story is very grindy and not as nearly as aspirational as the two of you. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we are also grindy. I just want to say we also work hard. Oh, I didn't mean to react no. to your thing. I was Find your say, ego on the way out, No, Martin. no, 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 no. I didn't no, mean not that. Saying that you didn't, I didn't mean not that. saying that you worked hard. Like, you guys always... It was the grind part. My, like, I had a lot of lateral movement. Cause I, so for I, I applied to be a shoutcaster with Riot. Around the era where Zyrene got hired, I applied in that like same era of, of hiring. And I put like 20 hours into my cover letter and application and like 30 minutes into my shoutcasting sample. <laughs> <laughs> really good letter. To this day, proud of that cover letter, proud of that application. Shoutcasting sample, the worst piece of garbage I have ever <laughs> let any human being look at. So my priorities were a little backwards. I was a little young <laughs> and stupid. Um, gave up on shoutcasting for a bit, started writing articles, started doing graphic design was a talker, got on a podcast, via that podcast, met someone who gave me an opportunity to shout cast, kept casting, kept casting, worked a job while casting, so I had this ridiculous schedule where I'd work at a coffee shop from like 6 a.m. to noon, go home for like five hours of free time, and then cast the LJL, like nap, cast the LJL from like 11 o'clock to 5 a.m., and then go to work and repeat the cycle again. It was a good time. I remember those days fondly, eventually cast like an IEM. Eventually, the IEM was the big one, man. Deficio noticed me there, and he goes, man, this guy's a trash color caster, but he doesn't look bad on camera, and he's got a nice voice. That was actually pretty much the summary he gave me. (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) I know it because he reminds me every time I talk about my origin story at all. He's like, yeah, I remember you not looking bad and uh, sounding good. You said a lot of dumb stuff, but, you know, it worked out okay. So, yeah, I got my start. Here I am, years later, sitting at a desk with you three gentlemen. Also very disillusioned to the the impossibly uh, talented color casters. I didn't live in a hotel month, uh, room with, for either, with either of you for three months, but hmm. let me say, I thought you guys were like these whew, always like regal, very formal, like good speakers. <laughs> oh, now, yeah, on camera, baby. I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah but now like, anybody that's time. watched at least one you episode. slap my ass on camera. At least one person that's you. watched Euphoria knows that Martin is not regal and, <laughs> and neat. This and didn't I, exist I, when I came I in. Got I got buttons understand. here, man. I got buttons on the He's side. fancy. Look at the buttons. It's actually when I hear your stories, um, and often I think about how a lot of shoutcaster came into it, like, so you mentioned the grind, yeah, yeah. and I feel like I might have been one of the few who's managed to kind of jump past the having to grind freelance with no viewers and have to kind of like build yourself up from the start. Um, so I'm obviously very lucky but in that case. That's because you're a former pro player. Sure. So that was your grind, right? Yeah. For us yeah. that didn't have the pro, pro you to had broadcast. To do that thing. Look, I would have done do that if I could. I, like, I was just bad. Dude, so. <laughs> my, my freelance, I, I broadcast Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday nights for the better part of a year between 6 and 12 hours every broadcast. I looked for every single cup or tournament that I possibly could. 
I had a friends list that was purely just challenger players that were like playing in every single go full lol on Sundays. And I would beg and plead people just to let me spectate their game so I'd have content to cast so that hopefully somebody would watch. I remember this collegiate day. It was a 10-hour day. And my caster, my co-caster had to dip. And they're like, are you good solo casting for 10 hours? It's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like, no big deal. And now I'd be like, no, are you kidding me? That's insane. Yeah. We're broadcasting live. What do you expect me to say? <laughs> but see, that's why whenever people reach out for feedback on how to become a caster, I can't give you the story that these guys can in terms of where to start. I can be like, you should become a pro player and then, <laughs> then be on camera also, and retire. <laughs> also, like we get asked this question a lot and I've given so many people the same answer and we've made so many posts. If you're asking, your head is in the right place, but instead of asking us, just start casting. Like, just start doing it. Put samples out there. Get out there. Because, like, I think every one of us as casters gets that question pretty regularly. Yep. And the answer is always the same, which is literally you have to do it. Like, I know it's uncomfortable and it feels weird to put yourself out there when you're, like, maybe not 100% confident in what you're doing or that you're not going to get any viewers. But I will take the dude who, like, Captain Flowers is a great example of this, of a guy yep. who literally just did it because he loved it all the time with, like, not nearly, like, you had this grind and the steady rise of success. I had this grind and the steady rise of success. Captain Flowers went from, like, zero to 100 in the space of six months just from grinding. And I think there's there can be a lot of similar success stories if people just put themselves out there. It is difficult for sure, but it's possible. I agree. True. All right, end the podcast. Right. <laughs> so for context today, we're going to have a lot. This is going to be a lot of trips down memory lane. We'll talk about our best and worst casting moments, um, kind of some history in the EULCS, the best finals, the best teams, experiences, personalities, and we'll round it all out, focusing in on the semifinals that are coming up this coming weekend. It's Vitality versus Schalke and Fnatic versus Misfits. So a lot of history, a little bit of what's coming up. If you're interested at all in going back down memory lane, or if you weren't around for maybe what we could call the glory days, the wild, wild west of League of Legends esports? You know, I actually, I was thinking about that. And I think uh, if, you, if you have fond memories of previous years, I think it's acceptable. I think you can call it glory days. But I think this year might go down as a glory year in, in retrospect. Like it's super exciting. But when you, when you think this is what, the sixth season in a row now, this is our 12th final coming up? Mm, yeah. It's, it's insane. Um, and even more insane than to think that both Shocks and I have actually been on the broadcast since day one of EULCS. So I definitely feel like the grandpa when I walk around and <laughs> speak to the new players and new teams and new casters. It's crazy. All right, the first thing I want to start with, though, is best and worst casting uh, moments from any time period, anywhere at all. You can start with your best or your worst. Now, I know you guys, you probably have some easy bests that come to mind. I actually don't have an easy mm. best, but I have a really easy worst. So... Okay. To go first. I can start with one of the worst ones. <laughs> um, I'll put in two here. Uh, one was my opening day. <laughs> you could ask for that. I, yeah, but I didn't. Want I, to I can what talk and uh, lift the water for you. Uh, so it is week one of the 2014 Spring Split EU LCS. Okay, hold that thought because you got to put the water back. Now. Okay, I got to put it back. <laughs> I can still talk and do this. Uh, it's not prop comedy, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, so so week one EU LCS is about to start. 2014, there's a new caster in town. It's it's me. Uh, I'm sitting next to Joe Miller, and it's my first cast ever uh, outside of the couple of practice casts I've done with Trevor. And uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really know what I was supposed to talk about. So I just said to Joe, just ask me questions and I'll, that's it. <laughs> so I didn't bring anything other than whenever he asked me something. And I obviously couldn't explain anything uh, in terms of uh, my language. Uh, I could obviously just talk about the game. It sounded like he had a potato in his mouth. People couldn't understand it. Uh, I remember the cast ended and I was like, all right. I felt okay. 
I open up Reddit <laughs> and Twitter, and it's just like, I think it was like five posts or something already on Reddit of just being like, what is this? Like, <laughs> get this man off air. Like, what's happening here? And my Twitter just like, I got so many followers because people wanted to follow me because I was bad. So they could wanted to flame you. Yeah, they could flame <laughs> me. And I was just like, wow, okay. This makes me very confident for the next cast. Uh, so yeah, I guess my opening day of casting was definitely my worst memory. Also, um, shout out if you're a Deficio fan, and if you have messages from like 2015, 2014 on Twitter where you flamed him, please like clip those and be like, I'm an OG Deficio fan and send them to him. I, 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 actually, I actually would love to see that. <laughs> Someone linked me the old Reddit thread that was created saying uh, I was in a coma, but then the nurse turned on EULCS and I heard Deficio and I had to wake up and mute the TV. <laughs> Someone linked me that one from like three, four years ago, and I was like, yeah, that was Twitch chat. They definitely did the rounds. It did. It, yep. it was It was. Moved on. Also because, let's say, the casting team uh, weren't exactly the guys who didn't banter. It also didn't help <laughs> that I think every broadcast day of every game of every week for about two years, people would remind Deficio that he was a failed pro, he was one of the worst supports, his team never won anything. There, there was a lot of insults. It was a lot around. of it. And it's, it's quite funny because you actually see that, like, that joking I was a middle-of-the-table supporter. I just want to add that. I remember... <laughs> Maybe like one champion. Me and Freeze, we were um, good bodily. But I remember uh, the 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 jokes. There was even conversations about whether or not like D-Man hated you and stuff. Oh yeah, because he kept burning. There was so much like banter, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like online, this you is, couldn't tell he was is, joking. This is the best part. If you make a joke at someone else's expense on cast, they're like, he hates him. How <laughs> dare he do that to him on air? He hates this guy. He doesn't want to see him ever That's again. That's a fake laugh. He doesn't enjoy this. He wants to get out. <laughs> what no, was your yeah. second one? You said you had two. Uh, well, that's a recent one. Um... Wait, that was the recent one? No, no. <laughs> no. That was a recent one. I, I, I have a recent one. I'll try and think of another third one because bad casts are funny now when you look back. Uh, the moment when uh, you and me were doing the Fnatic Splice game. You remember this? This split? It was insane. Excitement. Yes. Fnatic. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. The Elder Dragon. <laughs> and yeah, we kept doing the percentages of like, oh my God, Fnatic, they have it. It's in the back. Then they start losing. Splice are coming back. And like, it's super hype, you know. It, it, it's going nuts. And the Elder Drake, you know, Broxa takes it. And you asked me about percentages, I think, and I just yell, it's 90% splice now, they got the Elder Drake, they're going to push down mid. And I just talked about that for like 20 seconds, and then I stop and I look at Fnatic, I'm like, why are they glowing? Like, what's yeah, going Broxa on? Yeah, stole it. I'm like, oh no, I even said Broxa took the Elder Drake, I had to yeah. like try and like take it back and like say, I'm so sorry. And it was like in the hypest moment of the game. That's how you ruin it. Trevor's like trying to cash. You're like, but my guys, like, real, real quick, yeah, before the game like, ends, I, I didn't actually, notice that. I was in disbelief. I was sort of like, wait, is he really saying that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, he said elder. I said elder, and it's like I didn't actually understand what was happening. See, that was definitely in recent memory one of the worst casting moments. I mean, I go back to 2013 Worlds, also in Staples. I was hosting the analyst desk, and um, Super News is the biggest show I've ever worked on, and. Uh, you know, it's a world final. And during the pre-show, we had a video package that was going to run. And the prompters like rolling, rolling, rolling. And I, I don't know, I just completely brain farted. And it clearly was like, you know, break line, run video, then carry on reading. And um, I just didn't stop. So <laughs> I basically was like, yeah, and of course, we've got this video coming up about something or other. And after that video, we're going to carry on. And I just, I just kept speaking. But the production team obviously were like, they heard the cue, they ran the video, I kept talking, nobody turned my mic off, the, the production team <laughs> got super panicky, so they, they cut back 
they like actually broke out of the video. Oh, By no. this point, I've now realized that I've messed up and I stopped talking and I'm not being funny. And I'm so sorry if you're listening to this and not watching on YouTube, but I have this face. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, they genuinely, they cut back and then I'm sitting on camera for about five seconds with this awkward face like okay. I messed up. And then they went back into the video. And that was like my biggest, biggest, biggest like first year mess up. And it haunts me to this day. Absolutely the sour, me. The sour lemon face. Yes, My the sour God. lemon face. My, mine are much simpler because I, I come from the era where like production teams are ready for talent to mess up. They like had had Trevor in 20... They're ready. They will cut a talent <laughs> off in a moment. Yep. So it's like, never yep. again will we see this Trevor Lemon face on broadcast. Now, mine was I am Katowice last year. So um, H2K versus Flash Wolves. It's like almost entirely a Polish crowd, right? Yankos comes on stage, people lose their mind. Every time H2K does anything, people lose does anything, people lose their mind. Every time H2K does anything, my energy is at a 10. Oh, I am alive. Yes. I am feeling it. Every time Bashful does anything, the crowd does nothing. I do nothing. I am so in tune with the crowd. It's like the most biased cast of my life. <laughs> Vettius is getting all the hate and no one cares that I'm doing anything. But the win <laughs> moment, and this is like a lesson that I've since learned from. <laughs> but my, my, oh! win, my win moment when H2K's Nexus goes down is, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But that happens, dude. You just get so wrapped up. Was well, the first time I had cast in front of such a like such a clearly biased crowd yeah. for H2K, and I just was so not ready for it, and like nothing else made sense to me in that moment. The only thing in my head was, "Oh no!" And it's the only thing I could say. There was nothing, oh, and no other words that lost, could come out of my mouth. Last year, All Stars, I forgot the LPL coach's name. I remember that as now, well. You paused. Dude, I panicked, right? Like it just, I, I've, I've never really lost a name like that before because I, I love doing the stage intros. So we end up introducing all the players, all the teams and I'm going through it and it's like, bam, 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 bam. It's like player, 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 player. And I, the, the name just goes. And it was the very, very, very last coach and LPL were the last team to, to step onto the stage. And I just stop, dead silence. <laughs> And I was just like, oh. <laughs> now, if you go back and you listen, you can hear I have so much energy, so much power, right? All the things. And I was like, <laughs> Firefox. <laughs> like, it's this panicky burst. I'm so happy you had the right name and there. I, thankfully, I didn't say the wrong name. Thankfully, I didn't miss an app. I go backstage and I'm convinced absolutely everybody's heard it. I'm convinced everybody's going to be like ripping me off or whatever. But if you're so focused on other elements. You're waiting for the games or you're watching the teams or whatever. The only thing I got is this all caps message from Becca, my wife, going, lol, you forgot his name. You're so shit. And I was just like, thanks, honey. That's, that's exactly what I needed right I think now. That's the thing. And I'm sure if anyone who listens or watches has production experience, any kind of live broadcast production experience, I'm sure you notice a ton of mistakes that a lot of people don't because now that I've worked in this production environment, you see everything. When the oh, yeah. camera cues oh, yeah. a little wrong, when the graph comes up a little late on any broadcast you watch, and so I see it now a lot more in like, you know, regular TV in a day-to-day. When someone doesn't know their line and they get that panicky look in your eyes, you yep. recognize it immediately. Yep. yep, exactly. It's also interesting because when you watch sports broadcasts, Theirs are often so much simpler in, in what they're actually trying to set up in terms of the casters and so on. Like, it's typically like there's a host and there's a couple of, you know, pro footballers or retired ones, and then there's the two commentators, and that's it. That, that's basically it. And, like, the Danish world uh, broadcast for the World Cup I was watching, like, is it the same shot of them sitting on a couch talking about the games and then cut to the commentators? You see the commentators for, like, two minutes, and then you watch the game, and that's it. So there's a lot less room for 
actual production mistakes in that, but they still do it. Like yeah. they cut to the wrong things the and thing so is, on. There's this difference between like little little production errors and then just blatant mistakes. So yeah. so one that <clears throat> I don't really talk about a lot and um oh. it is it is probably my most embarrassing mess up ever. Uh, was, was the, the f- first one you was made. the first time was was the first time we were doing Worlds in Korea and I was also hosting the analyst desk and we were doing these like read tweets from fans moments. Oh, you read the name wrong. And yeah, but the thing is I didn't just read the name wrong. It's what I said afterwards that was bad. So in the tweet that came up was this like Korean lady sitting with this little poodle eating oh, no, I eating that. eating dessert. Oh no. And the tweet the tweet was along the lines of I'm sitting with Mochi, my dog, eating Mochi and enjoying worlds. And I don't know why. I don't know why I said the words, please don't eat your dog. Oh. I said those <laughs> why words. Did you say that? I read the tweet. No, and in my head. Yes, she called a dog Mochi. Ah, uh, okay, I get the it. The thing is, the words left my mouth, and I'm like, no. You're trying to catch them. <laughs> Historical connotation means this is disgustingly inappropriate. Oh, no. I just, I just, I sat and I, I hit the, I hit the button to talk to my producers and the production team, and I went, I know, I just messed up. I'm like, I don't know why, I don't know what. That's not funny. That's just, it's so dumb, mm-hmm. and I just have so much regret. I think back, I can see the tweet, I see the graphic, and I, I it just, yeah, it haunts me. It'll, it'll haunt me forever. That was definitely bad. <laughs> yeah, that was that was worse than my first class. I was gonna say that's that's rough. I was thinking my next uh, one is we had a telestrator segment back when we did duo stream and literally like every moment of your life as a cast or as a part of duo stream, you're like, so you're going over here now to do this thing that we just made uh-huh. up and decided to do to fill two minutes of time because we have no idea how to do this two stream thing. Yeah. <laughs> For the first few weeks at least. We got it down by the end. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember finishing my telestrator, I felt confident, I felt good, and then it didn't leave. And after like 15 seconds of it not leaving rather than like continuing to speak or just holding still waiting for the camera to cut away I like held up my hands and went like (laughs) 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 and to this day it's brought up to shame me by my not you're my boss now Trevor but my boss is boss now I I have one lost one it's not about costing on air I'm starting to remember a lot of different (laughs) I know know. the the, the thing is when you've done a bunch but and this was a little bit close to home um I farted on Deficio's mom. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, <laughs> I didn't think you were going to bring that up either. But no. I actually remember that. The old, the old studio in Cologne, <laughs> the caster desk, the caster desk, um, the camera would face us like, you know, dead center. And the stage was behind us. And the audience would be looking at the stage. So if you're looking at the Euphoria set, that would be the LCS stage. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. fans would be sitting, sitting down directly there. behind like Martin and I. <laughs> kind of like how the NA setup is. Very similar, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar. So, so well, we the fans the are even closer on, to you. And I, you know, you're in your little world. And I didn't realize it. I'm just like mid-game. I'm like, I'm like, but I have no idea. At the end of the day, mom's like parents and brother and whatnot come backstage, are hanging out, say hello, all very friendly. And then mom just pulls me aside and is like, so my mom said she like farted in the game and she heard it. <laughs> you like farted on her, dude. Because <laughs> she literally <laughs> sat at the last row right behind the castle. So she could talk to her son. So she could be close to her son. Yep. the cast. Yeah. And then so that, one, that was a fun, that was an awkward moment. <laughs> that was definitely an interesting one. Um... There's actually been a lot of also which it's kind of your fault, but it's also a bit production fault. Do you guys remember when they rolled the wrong primetime league clip? Of you swearing? Of me swearing. Yes. It was after the moment where I'd sweared a lot and I've been kind of... So just, just for, for setup, 
you'd sworn a bunch on broadcast. And then I, I was like, I'm going to stop swearing. The way Primetime League worked is we, as EU, we would like pre-record our segments and then we'd send it to the, the North American production team that would like edit it all together. So they just added the rehearsal clip. Which was him. obviously a million. Wait, wasn't that the first time they ran Primetime League? That was the first time it just opened? It was early, but I don't think it was the very first time. I think it might have been one of the really? first ones. It I think it might have been because we had to do an intro. <laughs> you, me, and Shocks being like, hey, we're here from Europe. You know, we're going to be part of Primetime League and we're going to talk about the upcoming season. But the whole thing, and wait, you said something and then I started by going something like, yeah, and, and I say something wrong and I go like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, no, no. This no, is definitely like one of the first episodes. I remember watching the stream. <laughs> yeah. And I from went, the start of the stream, oh. I was like, "What is this show?" I was excited about this. This is a league viewer. It starts. It runs. You swear, and, it and then cut. it stops. And then like ten minutes later, it starts again. And I was convinced it was like a viral marketing thing to get like because <laughs> like no one cared about primetime league up until that moment because people didn't know what it was. But in that moment where Deficio sweared and everyone messed up, people were like, "What is this show?" So apparently, from what I've been told by uh, the producer, who was called Ben Winter, um, when it aired, and he 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 noticed, like just before I I said you know my little swear word, he noticed this was <laughs> the wrong clip, and he tried to run to like get to the people to stop it, <laughs> but he didn't do it in time, and then it just goes like run, me saying run. it, and then they just like they just instantly smacked the uh, something went wrong, you know, and Timo stands there going like we'll be right back. <laughs> And I just saw, like, because I remember then my Twitter, obviously, because it was pre-recorded, so I, I didn't really pay attention at first, but then I suddenly I just started seeing the tweets coming, I'm like, no, I was going to do less of this. The whole point was I was going to do less. <laughs> I also remember the jokes at that time, because uh, I think uh, uh, Joe and Lee or whoever it was also was saying that if you if you swear again, we're going to fire you. That was you. Joe. The first time I said it, which was all like... I said, if you swear again, you're going to get fired. Yeah, and yeah. that was actually like a, a thing one. that got picked up. And, and people <laughs> and were like, oh, Deficio swore again, he's going to get fired. Like, He's so done so. Keep swearing, man. Uh, oh, I actually man. don't think I've said the F word on broadcast. I've said shit, but I don't think I've said the F word. I've said the F word a few times. Probably at least 10. Yeah, you're double digits, I reckon. I'm definitely double. I actually had one like this year. I got I got told off by Carmack at IEM because I said Cloud9, uh, they made me, they, they I can't remember, they, they're playing so impressive and like, holy shit, they're yeah, so holy. Good. I remember you said holy shit. That was and Carmack came over and like really gave me a talking to and he's like, you, you should not do that. And I think, I've dropped a lot of subtle shits. I've definitely dropped at least one F bomb. Yeah, pretty, you remember pretty that. epic one. Yeah. It was it was beautiful if, if I remember. It's removed from the history books. Yeah. It's removed from the history books. No, oh, that's right. There. Actually, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, dude, I the, still the I saw a clip the other day where it was uh, it was still there. Now it's a stutter. That was beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Nice dips. Shall, shall we turn to good moments? Because I still don't know if slapping you on the ass was a good moment or not. I think it great was moment. a great moment. I mean, it's a magical moment. But I look back and I'm like, why did I do that? Uh, you don't remember? No. What's, the it, thing is, that what I do remember is, we have this like uh, this, this free camera, you know, the ones that films the player reactions and stuff like that. And our director said, hey, the camera's going to come from behind you and I'll look at the the, the cast. It's always an everything. awkward pose to stand in. And Martin is a bit confrontational. Is like, well, this is weird. Why? Um, and he's like, so can I bend over and show off my ass like I've been working out? And there's this like awkward pause. So Nobody I, says no. <laughs> and he's bending over. I was looking, like, it was looking like I was actually paying attention to the screens. I wasn't just standing like that. You he know, said he wanted to show off his arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted like, to look like and to be I was clear, We were hitting the gym screen. good in that era. Yeah, that was a good era. I had some good squats in and there. And while he's leaning over, I get the countdown. They're like five, <laughs> four. And I'm like, I'm going to slap it. <laughs> this, this voice in my head, this little red devil just pops up. It's like, slap his ass. And I really slapped his ass. Like there was no, no holds barred. Um, and you were just like, well, 
Okay, well, we'll go with it. <laughs> that was not what his face, his face told a very different story, which was, ooh. That was, it was like a high quality moment. And God bless Jack. If you're ever watching the EULCS and we have a particularly weird camera intro or camera angle or cast yeah, intro, that's, Jack. that's all Jack. He's our director. If he could like get one of those surgical cams that they stuff down your like, Stomach, he would literally have a camera come out of my mouth in an opener just to turn around and look me in the face so I could introduce something. Like, this man would, would do it. If I anyone would volunteer, would do it. Like, I would, I'd be I would down. Be down. I would yeah. be horrendously uncomfortable. That would definitely be something new, uh, that's for sure. Uh, great. I mean, you probably won't do it again. Uh, I think that's pretty safe. I mean, yeah, it won't happen again. Maybe. <laughs> I'll never say never. I'll never say the never. The ante continuously gets upped, and I think we're all worried about what the next step is. Yeah. I mean, definitely. it's been on pause. It, we, the bets have kind of overtaken us doing new dumb stuff, I feel like. Also, we, we've got a creative outlet in ReadyCheck, so that sure. definitely helps us bet. <laughs> That's yes. it. true. But what would be one of your favorite moments? My favorite moments? Um, so, easy one is 2015 spring. The final, Fanatic Unicorns of Love. Uh, during that year or during that split, a lot of the sentiment from the community was that Europe was like super low level and it was just like, how can Unicorns of Love, a cheese team, just how can they make the final? It's so bad. Uh, and people weren't, re I don't think people were too excited about the final before it actually started. Yeah. But once it started and it was five games and there were actually like a really entertaining games to watch. Uh, and people like really got into it uh, and people we like so many people started watching and caring about it during that cast uh, a lot of good things happened that was the the Trevor kiss me moment which was completely <laughs> random but it ended up being super successful uh, again definitely not planned I just saw a pip of a couple I choked like I, I didn't know what to say because the, the, the <laughs> little picture in picture came up and then it started and making the couple, out like hardcore <laughs> yeah. aggressively making out like really doing it. and my brain froze so the two of us are sitting casting these two are making out heavily and i'm supposed to say something and i'm just like see i thought production did it on purpose it was like a kiss cam kind of thing but i'm like wait why would we suddenly do a kiss cam we've never done that before what? So it's like, I have to say something You're here. telling me that the, the two, that, there's no way that was an accident. Like, the amount of effort it takes to no, pip that up. No, no, because it was actually just two people at first sitting and watching the game, but they, as soon as the camera pops up, yes. they started kissing. Like, legitimately, oh. there was they just actually, like, yeah, yeah. cognizance. They were just sitting really comfortable, nice. And then so they show like, Oh, yeah. And then they just go nuts, you know? Shout and out I'm to them. There's a camera. Let's go. Well, he doesn't say anything. Right. I'm like, at first, I'm like, oh, this must be on purpose. But then I just see it just gets pulled down. And I'm like... I should say something. Do you know what? <laughs> I actually don't think we've ever found out who that couple was. We're going no. back to Madrid. Like, we should actually oh, find yeah. out who they are. It would be are. cool if they're there. We should find out who they are and, like, recreate the scene. <laughs> anyway, that was, a, that was a moment. Double date. That'd be great. That was just random improv of, like, I, I got to say something here. Trevor's not saying a word. <laughs> yeah, I choked. I had no React idea. I just happening. looked at it. I was so taken aback by... Tom Kent wasn't in the game yet. Yeah, there were not as nearly <laughs> as many opportunities for humor as there are now. Not. That was a great moment, though, because I didn't think at first it was that funny, but then seeing people's reaction to it yep. was, was great. And that final was the first final uh, me and Trevor casted together because he obviously was a caller before and then he was play-by-play. -play. And the reception after that split and after the final yes. itself was so positive around us and EULCS that I will look back at that moment as like kind of the, the turning point uh, of my career. It was for me, too. And I think... 
Yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget the Madrid final itself. It's actually crazy to look back for that you was, guys, especially like how much negative perception there was yes. and how huge that was the that split. I mean, that story that uh, De Fischer was talking about, where from 2014 to 2015, we moved from Cologne to Berlin. German and D-Man did yep. not join us. We were the only two casters um, at the beginning of the year, and then that was the split that that turned it around and, and got everything going positive again. So it was awesome. Mm. I can't believe that was so long ago. Um, I do want to get a little bit more into the history. Um, you brought up that final. Well, Is you that... guys have no good moments? Uh, I guess I do. I should get one good Did moment. Did you get one in there? Yeah, one in there. Um, my favorite... Oh, God. What was my favorite moment? Nuke Duck rap video. Nuke Duck rap video is pretty great, <laughs> actually. As far as highlight career moments go, I really enjoyed the Nuke Duck rap video. Um, the semifinal... One of my favorite casts I think I've ever done, in hindsight it was actually probably terrible, but I still remember very fondly, was the H2K versus Splice semifinal. It was a tri-cast, um, and it was the game where the top line matchup got ran back-to-back Nar- five times in a row. Was it Nar versus GP? It was yes. Nar versus GP, uh-huh. and by the fifth game we were like, we like had literally nothing to say yeah. about it. We're like, why do they keep it? <laughs> and like, game two, we're like, probably needs to change his draft. Game three, we're like... I guess it works, but maybe probably should consider changing his draft. And by game five, we're like, you know what? It, just pick, it doesn't matter anymore. Just pick him the NAR, yep, the GP. Yep. And like, I love that series itself was so, so funny and like so serious and intense, and like actually yeah, really yeah, serious. Yeah. But also just every pick man was like a break of comedic relief because you knew that despite like wildly varied success, that it was <laughs> going to happen again. That they were, someone was going to pick NAR, someone was going to pick GP. It was going to get run back every single time. I have one tiny one before you go history. 2013, when I was color casting, mm. um, <clears throat> and spell names are the main thing, I had to break a bad habit that I would rhyme spell names oh. and lines oh. and, and sentences. And one of my most, most, most favorite, most memorable moments was an Elise ganking a Lissandra in the mid lane. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that is a legacy viewer and, and watcher will know that the way I yell the word cocoon, mm-hmm. especially in game when I'm excited, in my accent, is particularly loud. So anyways, the cocoon catches Lissandra. She casts Glacial Tomb. We were calling the E the Glacial Path, the Claw of Doom. She was trying to land eye shards, but it went oom. And I remember I was casting with Demon at the time, and he made fun of me for rhyming so much, and I just kept doing it. I just kept doing it. I look back and I go, why? Like, this is bad. This is not good commentary. But I just couldn't stop doing it. And uh, I actually had to, like, train myself out of rhyming, which was pathetic and childish. Interesting. Remind yourself, folks, that Trevor Quickshot Henry is the original <laughs> rap god. That it goes yep. Eminem, and then Trevor Henry, and then the new era of rap yeah, god. exactly. The, the, the Draco Sufficio and you just DJ Cowbell. DJ Cowbell. I'm not DJ a rapper. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm a DJ. <laughs> It's important to highlight. We the best podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be in there next time. We're yeah, gonna get it. So sad we didn't get it in. Um, history time. You brought up Unicorns of Love versus Fnatic. What is your guys' best EU LCS final ever? The one that got you the most excited? Easy. Fnatic um, Origin. Yeah, it's pretty. Cool. I I think I enjoyed Fnatic Origin the most, but the Fnatic UOL with my first play by play final is more memorable. Mm. Um, I distinctly recall Power of Evil's Varus in the mid lane, uh, oh, losing my mind to the, it, uh, how excited I was with it. And how people flamed it, and then LCK yes, started playing Exactly. It. And and it was it was kind of a turning point for PoE, where he, he sort of got respect because yeah. of that performance. 
Um, so so mine slap. is definitely, you know, Flash Bear Slap as well. Which was that I, in the final or in the semifinal? It wasn't. It was semifinal. Ah. Yeah, it was semifinal. So we could rewrite history um, here. It was in the final. But uh, I definitely I definitely enjoyed that. That was my personal favorite. So it's hard for me not to mm. give it to Fnatic OG personally. I mean, so Fnatic OG, um, a lot of it also just comes down to when I think back how the whole final ended up happening. Like so many things had to go you know, in this specific direction for it to be a thing. So Fnatic was the best team in Europe, had won so many EU titles, and their star player, biggest name, was Xpeke. You know, back in the day, season three, season four, even season two. Heck, even season one, you know, he won the world championship with them. He leaves Fnatic, creates his own organization, his own team, and they go from challenger, qualify for the LCS in the summer split. They enter the summer split with this lineup that's super hyped up, but people are still a little bit unsure because Sven or Niels, as he was called back then, yeah. no, 17-year-old rookie, we didn't fully know what, what was going to happen there. Mithy had been yeah. out of the scene a bit and he had returned. So there were still a lot of questions, but they end up obviously being really, really good. And we get this path where we go into playoffs and they end up on, on opposite sides of, of the bracket. So we're like, wow, we can actually get Fnatic versus Origin, Xpeke and Soas versus the old team they just left to try and beat them and take the number one spot in Europe from challenger to first place, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then we go to Stockholm where Reckless obviously is playing on Fnatic and he's Swedish and we get... Five games between them, we get Reckless Pentakill. Yeah, was that the Tristana one? It was the yeah. Tristana yeah. Pentakill. Uh, we get Huni versus Soas, where Huni plays the rework GP and then doesn't do too well. Soas picks the rework GP Obliterate. and runs no it one hyped Soas back then no. at that point. It was all Huni and he just destroys him with it. And we get to game five and it's you, me, and, and Mitch casting it. And I was like really happy with the cast and everything was going great. You know, I was like, this series is absolutely insane. We show a pip of uh, Madison Square Garden also watching the final. Like it's just packed in there. We hear numbers of like a million yeah. uh, Western viewers. And we go into the game five and Fnatic just gamble on a early to mid game comp, even though all the games was have gone the Annie Rumble? late. It was the Annie Rumble yeah. one. And we've been like, no, 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 what's happening? Every game has gone late. You know, you, you need to draft scaling. But they play that comp, they get ahead, and we managed to make a call saying, now's the turning point where while Fnatic is ahead, if they like they have to win this next fight or, or Origin will outscale them. Peggy's on a Zier, Sven is on a late game carry. Like it's it's getting to the to the point where Origin will win. And just as we say that, like 10 seconds later, from what I remember, Yellowstar flashes over the wall. Wraith camp to mid lane. At the Wraith camp. Yep. Smacks the tippers into the face of Xpeke. They kill Xpeke. They win the fight and they finish the game. Just when we had said like, this is this fight, you know, lose this and you're probably done, Fnatic. And and then they win. And obviously they go to Worlds with Origin. They get top two. Like that final in itself in terms of hype, stories. Also actually in terms of the level these teams perform that, I think was absolutely insane. And I guess 2015 had really... Memorable final. And see, the thing is, is I remember as a viewer watching that, I didn't buy into OG being able to take down Fnatic. And then they basically perfect game them game one. Yes. They had like insane yeah, that was, yeah, macro. True, true. I like didn't believe it. I was like, this is like BS. Like, I, what are they, the catchers talking about? There's like no way Fnatic are unstoppable. Then obviously the, the rest of the games weren't nearly as clean. But when OG just like, bam, just like straight up had shown their prep, destroyed true. Fnatic in that game one, I was like, oh no. And it was like, the 18-0. It was the 18-0 yeah. Fnatic, Fnatic yeah. season. So that's yeah. obviously why yeah. no one believed. Yeah. 
Ah, oh, what a final. What was your favorite memory, Dracos? Because you were watching for longer, potentially longer than you've been casting. It's about 50-50 now. Yeah, it's like 50-50. Oh, man, it's really hard. I mean, I was watching for, like, the faker Zed outplay, right? Which was insane. Mm-hmm. And, like, I didn't even fully grasp, like, 100% what was going down in that game. And that was, like, a really insane moment. But from EU specifically, God, I really hold on to that first game. Because that game, like, that first perfect game in that in that final was one of the most memorable moments for me. I think um, it's hard. It's, it's actually really hard. See, so the thing is, you got to think about it because like, I, I also go back to the Fnatic Gambit final of 2013 summer. Now, the reason I go back to that is... Spring. Uh, uh, spring, sorry. Um, the reason I go back to that uh, was I was really excited about uh, Gambit. They had transitioned from Moscow 5. Mm-hmm. I had been casting a lot of them um, in the previous year in 2012 in like the open circuit and 4PLs and DreamHacks and whatnot and really had a lot of fun casting the players. And the Fnatic organization goes way, way, way back. Back mm-hmm. in my Call of Duty days, they were the best like team. And, and I was a fan of their Call of Duty squad. They had a guy named Stevie who was like the best player. So I was like, holy crap, like there's this one league that I got to cast. And one of my big breaks was casting Diamond Prox, playing Jungle Jin Zhao in 2012 for the mm-hmm. first time on stream. And he lost. They lost playing Jungle Jin Zhao on some ran- to like some random team in a 4PL monthly. Um, and then I got to do the final, my first LCS final with uh, D-Man. And, it, you know, Alexic, Diamond, uh, uh, Genja, just the legacy players that were super mega ultra stars back in the day. Um, and that just, like, stuck with me, it's, it's th- that so, feeling. It's so weird because I went through this phase as a fan where, like, when people were talking about stars, everyone references M5, right? And I was a Shushe fan. And so there was mm. this awkward moment where EU, <laughs> Wait, League of Legends... Be- season one or season two? Season one, season two era. Oh, like season oh, both. two. So I like this is the guy that like I had a friend at some point when I was watching the game told me like this was like the guy to watch. Yeah, yeah. And so like I believed him wholeheartedly and I watched Shushe. And then when like Dragon by the time Dragonborns came around or whatever, I was like, oh, oh Man, no. you have to go back. You have to go There's back. There's so few viewers who know Shushe, I think. At the end of 2012, the EU LCS was gonna happen. And there was a qualifying tournament that happened in Warsaw, Poland, which is where he was playing. Okay. And Bjergsen was too young to compete, so yes. you're playing with a different mid laner. And there was two magical, magical moments that came from this event. Now, the first oh, and God. foremost was the Copenhagen Wolves qualifying, and in the post-game interview with Carmack, talking to DeFisio on stage, and so how do you feel? You just qualified for the LCS. And I quote, I quote DeFisio, yeah, you know, well, we... Uh, we couldn't play with Bjergsen. You know, Bjergsen's kind of our star player, and, and he said we weren't going to make it. So, uh, f- you, Bjergsen. <laughs> Live, on broadcast. And then he realizes, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and then his whole face just kind of goes... Oh, I felt real bad. After. Then the second thing was Dragonborns, which was led by Shushe. They qualify. And Shushe oh, and Hosan do a, a body slam because he was playing like AP Gragas or whatever at the time. And Hosan yeah. is this tiny little guy. Shushe yeah. is a pretty big dude. He, he like cosplay Gragas by taking his t-shirt off. Oh. And he gives him a body slam. Hosan hits the ground. <laughs> like KO. And you just hear D-Man burst out laughing. He cannot contain himself. You can hear the tears running down his face. But that qualified tournament was one of the first. I shared a room with Freak, actually. He flew out to cast the event, and uh, uh, he and I shared a... Uh, that was a your trial? Or? That was my trial. That was If I didn't do well at that event, I wouldn't have been hired for the LCS. Uh, and luckily, I managed to impress the right people. Nice. Dude. There you go. So, there's this some, some golden oldies. I'm trying to think about some big player moments of like an, a player entering where 
where we went like, wow, that was insane. And Perks joining in 2016. Perks was definitely nutty. Yeah. With, uh, with G2. When we looked at the G2 lineup and they'd made changes already since they qualified. And uh, it was hard to get really excited about it. It was like, oh, they bring in Trick. Also because the Gamers 2 roster that had attempted to qualify had failed like three so times. Yeah, exactly. Times. So yeah, yeah. they eventually made it in. And we were just like, okay, you're finally here, but I'm not and then hype exactly yet. like they get Trick, who who wasn't a very known Korean player at all. They have this 17 year old mid laner in Perks, and they have Hybrid, the support, and Emperor. And Emperor, Emperor, by the way, at this yeah, point yeah. in his career, has been like definitely touring, gone downhill, touring minor regions after. And he, Kick he's been is in top lane. Former jungler Kick is was top lane. Yep. So you look at that lineup on paper, and you go like, yeah, this is not gonna do that much. But like from week one. It was just like the perks and trick, trick show. Yep. Pick assassins and graves, jungle and whatever, and just like destroy everyone. And we were just like, what? Like, this is actually insane. And I think we, within like a week or two, we were on the perks and trick hype train. Yep. Uh, and they rode it all the way to the final. They beat Origin, the old guys, you know, on, on Origin's side. Fnatic did not make the final. And it was just like, okay, we got, we got some new style players here. And and G2 always ended up winning, you know, four in a row and Perks won all of them. So that was definitely a new star being born right there that we did not expect no. to look that good. And and at the same era, um, you talked about the Fnatic origin and, and that, that was the origin went from Challenger to World Semifinals. And then the following year was World Semifinals to Relegation. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Rocket Origin, dude. Oh Rock my God. Yes. The Teleclown Wars. Both teams were 0-13, if I recall correctly. We had a two-group system, best of twos, and... Somebody had to win. Somebody had to win. But not only did one team absolutely have to win and break the the 13-game losing streak, if I recall correctly, but Nahuan had been on like a 27 or 28 game Never won a competitive game. Because he'd lost every single game that he played in the LSPL. Um, before coming to, to EULCS, and then he lost every single game in EULCS. And and after an 80-minute game where I don't know how many inhibitors were killed. The first one, yeah. Nobody oh could kill, no, nobody could beat one another. We actually had like clown hats and confetti and, and you know, we, we, we went a bit I was, ham I, I, I was ready. That was great. Dude, <laughs> the best part when I think back, or one of the best part was the jungler on Rocket was Max Law. Like, how much has changed for him? Because <laughs> in that game, he picks Lee Sin. Hang on, was that with Hyunin and Wadid as well? Who was, were they on Rocket yet or not? No, 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 no. That not was yet. Oh. I can't remember. I, I'll have to actually. I'll have to you have to go find the, the old roster. I gotta look up the roster. Rock, because the thing is, Rocket changed uh, the roster so much. I just remember Max Lore picks Lee Sin, and I'm like, oh, okay. If you pick Lee Sin now, you you need to make something happen. And it took him 47 minutes to secure. The first kill for his team, and he did nothing. He just ran around the river again and again and again. I was just like, "This is so unbelievable to watch." I am fairly certain we had like two or three kills by like fifty minutes in that, that was game. an atrocious game of League. Of it Wars. was the worst competitive game of League of Legends I've seen in Europe. Uh, Steelback oh. and Raze. Oh, Raze. That's yeah. enough. Who was their top winner? Uh, Parang. Oh, that was the dude who could only play Echo. That guy was sick. Yeah, I liked uh, that guy. Who's the mid laner? Um, da, 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 da. Betsy. Hey. Betsy. Okay, yeah. there you go. Betsy. Back there in the day. Go. Back in the day. I have an off, off game memory, which I really remember. 
Um, I don't know why I'm going like legacy. I guess we're, we're talking history. But 2013 summer, we I think we opened week one in DreamHack uh, in Sweden. Yes. And then we immediately flew to Moscow, Moscow to Russia. For week two. And we did a show in Moscow uh, in a cinema. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it was hot as balls. <laughs> it was so hot. It was uncomfortable. We were sweating. It was terrible. And the cast is set up. Um, actually, wasn't too different to this desk, but what we had was, uh, in a small space, the analyst desk area was facing a camera, and then the camera would rotate, and then the the ca the caster would then face the analyst. So, so we'd be looking at each other. Mm. Anyways, uh, at the end of a game, who was RNA playing for? Was it alternate? I think in summer back yes. then, I think it was alternate attacks. They just won a game. Uh, Araneo, we want to interview him. He comes upstairs. Myself and Dima were casting, and then on the analyst area was Joe Miller and Jason Kaplan. Now, it was so hot that in order <laughs> to deal with the heat, we took our shoes, socks, and pants off, and we cast in our underwear and our shirts. Okay, so <laughs> we just sat like this, and we just had everything above the table, just shirts, tie, jacket, uh, but no, no pants or jeans on. Aranea gets up. He sees Joe Miller and Jason Kaplan and, and are sitting with like, nothing on. And he just drops his pants. <laughs> no questions asked. No context <laughs> given. He's just like, oh, this is what's happening? He undoes his belt, drops his jeans. This man understands the dress code and is what you're telling me. <laughs> in between Joe and Jason, does the entire interview. And then Jason Kaplan tried to do a couple of jokes about, uh, you know, uh, he'd trip over his pants or like he tried to do a few like subtle jokes that we were, we were a little bit cringing at. Like, no, dude, don't give it away. Go, man. But I just fondly, fondly remember Arane going like, this This is the plan, I'm on board. One of the worst events, by the way. I have so many stories from that trip to Moscow. I'm not even sure if half of them are suited for this podcast. But you can save them for another time. I, I can definitely say that we could hear the casters in the first couple of Oh games. my God. Uh, but their casters were in Russian, so we obviously didn't know what they were saying. But we, were, I think we were playing Gambit or something. And one of them. <laughs> we were like, hang on, <laughs> this needs to change. <laughs> that wasn't good. Esports was loose back then. It was super loose. All right, Deficio, we have time for one more memory before we start talking about the upcoming week. Is there anything that... Yes, I have one. I said first before. Well, I was going to say another player. Okay. Caps joining the LCS. And us actually kind of making people mad at him and us Yeah. in the very first week or two he played. Because uh, when Caps joined the LCS in 2017 spring... We had been told by the other players that this guy was, like, insane. Like, we are talking a level above almost every player in Europe yep. in terms of just like pure mechanics. Faker. A bit like Faker when but he younger. joined. Yeah. But, but younger. younger. And Faker was already there. And the pro players at the time called him baby Faker when they talked to us. It's true. So, we get to cast the first game, and it's a BU3 between, I think, Fnatic and G2. It was, yeah. And he solo kills Perks. You know, the famous rise under the turret, where he's like almost dead, but then he flashes and snares him under the turret. And because we felt like this would be a good opportunity to introduce Baby Faker. He just killed Perks, the best mid laner in Europe. We obviously say it. We're like, oh, Baby Faker. We never give the context that the pro players call him this at first. We just call him Baby Faker. Yep. And... Everything in that Reddit thread after was just people being mad that we called him Baby Faker. How dare we compare Caps to Faker and the, and we are, we're overdoing it, we're killing the narrative, all these kind of things. And obviously, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> it was a bit of a meme, but then it ended up being, you know, pretty dumb. 
it was just when I look back at it, like we actually took this player who entered the scene looking absolutely fantastic and we made people mad at us <laughs> and also kind of mad at him, I think. Yeah. Yep. Because we said baby faker and like we obviously... You, wait, you should have waited. If he came in a year later, two years later, if he came in this year, people would have been like, all right, yeah, fine. I mean, we did, I mean, it was too early to obviously call, but it was a joke on what the pro players called him, but we never said that. We yeah. just called him. We didn't faker. give enough context for it to make sense. So it was, it ended up just being bad. But like, I mean, Caps joining obviously was a big thing. And same with Reckless when he joined back in the day, if you remember. The first split he played was MVP. It was huge, but also because he had that that legacy. In yeah, the, he'd the, already been a player, you know, right? vain so. player from, from, uh, 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 it wasn't IPL, was it? IPL, IPL, fi- yeah. IPL, five, IPL 5 in, in Vegas, exactly, right? So, you know, he, he came he in with that history. was a pro, even though he was exactly. a rookie. He had an established record of being good in the public eye. Yeah, Caps, Caps was- had an established record of being good in the professional eye. But pro players... Uh, yeah, no one had any was, idea. Uh, nobody what, knew. What are you talking yeah. about? Exactly. Dead. Now people can see it, though. Yes. And people even... I've even seen people use it. So yeah. See, we were ahead of the curve. We tried to do the teenage Faker one that I found curve. hilarious. Yeah, you found hilarious. It died. <laughs> I think nobody it was carried He's it grown up. up. He's teenage. We said it this in Summer is, Split. <laughs> this is how you know Deficio is getting old because he laughs at his own jokes like teenage faker and actually has resentment that the rest of us don't laugh with him. It's so, true. Yeah. I think you are a great graphic. <laughs> you're a bitter old man. <laughs> All right, speaking of teenage faker, young adult faker, Fnatic playing Misfits this Saturday. I think Misfits... I'm going to say surprising me. You were one of the few people to fish you who actually predicted them. This is not an opportunity for you to pat yourself on the back, just making it clear that you did believe in them. What did uh, Trevor Quickshot have? Oh, yeah, I predicted G2. Yeah, I predicted a 3 I, 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 3 Oh, you like Vettius? Yeah, because I thought I thought someone's going to win with a 3 0, and I didn't think it was going to be Misfits. Dude, I thought there were so many problems in the Misfits camp based on their inability to get better in three or four weeks of regular season. I also underestimated the patch buff that they were going to get significantly. So I really thought that the problems they had to overcome and then my underestimation of how much the patch was going to help them um, surprised me. But on the same token... The patch helped Misfits and hurt G2. Oh, yeah, it really hurt so, G2. So, you know, you have to factor all those things in together. And after all of the talking that we did, especially in the pre-show and ready check, when that first pick, Alistair, was locked in, you looked at me and grinned, and I just went, yep, I, I messed up. Uh, Misfits are going to win the series. Like, it's just, that's that's all the signal I need to believe it. And to be fair, I had a 3-2, so I thought it actually was going to be really close. Yeah. Like, game two was, was kind of how I expected most of the games to end up yeah. looking, where... You know, uh, G2 were actually able to kind of match a lot of what Misfits did, but they they would only be able to, good enough to actually beat them in some of the games, and then they would hard lose uh, early game and some of the other ones. But obviously, when Misfits won that game too, where for the first time or one of the first times all split, they actually came back from a deficit, and they played pretty cleanly around Baron in that second game yeah. from behind, kind of always winning fights by like one kill here and then forcing G2 back, and they got into the late game, and Hans Sama was like dealing a million damage. Uh, the moment they won that game, I tweeted, like, this is a 3-0 now. Because if Misfits can actually beat you late game, and they've already shown they could win early game if they draft for that in the first game, G2 are not now, winning this. Now, the, the next test is going to be more difficult because G2 are... Uh, Fnatic are stronger in late game than G2 have in early game. And I just... And I just don't know how Misfits going to match up. But if there was any team that could take Fnatic down... I think it is Misfits. They did it last year. I think this is a team that prepares very well. And look at how they come into best of fives. Look at the creative solutions that this organization has done, even with different players last year and this year, when they come into those those best of series. 
how the hell do you prepare for Whippo Soares Reckless and what positions they're going to uh, be I mean, also, in? let's just be clear here. They picked Mao Zahar twice. Twice. For the cooks? For the cooks. Dude, Samsung Caps Galaxy... is going to eat him Samsung Galaxy, crown. He Samsung crown. Galaxy won the world championships with a mid laner that played Malzahar, etc. Like, control mage, boring. If you can win a world championship with a weaker mid laner... Then Misfits can take down Fnatic with a weak. Okay, but Crown versus what was Crown versus Faker, yep. right? Yes. It's very different from Sengkux versus Caps, dude. Well, uh, we call I mean, him uh, teenage, teenage Faker. Teenage it's Faker the now. EU equivalent. I mean, it's Teenage Crown versus no, Teenage it's actually, Faker. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's not. The comparison it actually works. Does it really work? Because Crown was like really good for a while. Yeah, but he wasn't that world championship. Like Crown lost almost every lane, which is why he had to hey, pick Malzahar. You know who else? loses lane a lot especially in the second half of the summer splits I mean the comparison actually works in terms of what their role is on and the that's team. Okay. that's why I believe it that's All why right, I so but it. here's here's my concern right for misfits is that for the first four weeks they looked unstoppable right they were a beautiful wonderful team and they looked very much like they looked against G2 where they looked almost infallible outside of some very stupid aggressive decision making we could say in game three for sure definitely risk throwing a few times I mean they, they were like we won this game already yeah yeah. and then the second crack started to show it all they just immediately nosedive like hard nosedive and so I'm worried now about how strong this Misfits lineup actually is going to be relative Fnatic and if they can't just run over Fnatic in the early game like we did see them do pretty consistently against G2 right um, are they just going to collapse in the same way again it's going to be Obviously, it's going to be way harder. One of the big reasons is Fnatic are not getting hurt by this patch. Nope. Like the Tom Kench nerf was really That's bad what he's for what most did. played. Hillisang Tom Kench? Yeah. <laughs> not really. You're right. actually excited if you're a Fnatic fan. Hillisang is not allowed to play you Tom are. Kench. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like Alistar, Pike, these kind of things. Well, hello, I have Hillisang on my team. So, the, the two players or the two lanes that I'm going to be watching most, first and foremost, can Alfari do to Soez or Whippo what he did to Wanda? Because oh that, that was that was brutal. Like, I mean, Wanda walked away with like pie on his face. Rest in peace. And secondly, yeah. can Hans Summer undo some of the, uh, can Hans Summer like step up to Reckless as well in the bottom lane the way he smashed You don't even know it's Reckless. Did. We don't know, but I mean, we can assume Reckless will play at least a game. Sure. That's my guess, right? And I would love it if in that game, and some steps up is like I'm gonna go Draven again and and just you know do Draven things um, because that is an exciting matchup. Yeah, I mean I guess we have to expect it's reckless now that it is almost only 80 carries being picked. That's why him. I think it. So so if like if reckless is playing and he's picking Ezreal and they and they're giving Pike to Hillisang and and the the target is to go mid lane for Fnatic, which has been the case for a lot of it. There is openings for misfits if they're actually able to play around that if Senkux is able to play defensive without falling too far behind and then using Max Law to get bot lane ahead because this is the thing like Hillisang overextends in lane a lot if you have an aggressive support and you have a ganking jungler like you can punish that bot lane um, it was one of the problems I had when I played with Whippo was that he would be with Hillisang running in your face <laughs> so that you could actually go down and kill them um, so I see this uh, setup where Misfits is going to try and focus on two things, which is actually kind of the same as against G2. Yep. yep. You need to protect your mid laner to make sure that the enemy mid laner doesn't get really far ahead. And you need to get your own bot lane ahead. Like, it's kind of protect mid, go aggressive but, bot. Yeah, but, okay, so to me, Fnatic is just, in, as you wait, pretty much a super version of G2, right? In the, in the sense that I think Perks is a fantastic laner, but if anyone's going to solo kill, I expect that more from Caps, like, to put that sure. amount of pressure down. Also, in terms of roaming support, if Fnatic doesn't want to play through bottom, Hillisang will live mid lane. Yep. That man will not hesitate to live yep. there. 
the last thing, this is the thing that scares me the most, is Alfari built so many solo advantages, which you cannot in any way rely on as misfits, right? He, the solo kills, the individual contributions that he gave to the team, the amount of pressure I, yeah. that he relieved from the rest of the Misfits lineup by just solo killing and match duration of solo killed, by like winning out, by consistently having pressure in lanes where you might not have expected to, roaming mid. Like, Alfaro was a house for that team. And I just don't see Soaz giving up any of the same advantages as Wonder. Now, he might not have the same highs that Wonder could have had if he had, mm. if that gangplank could really the, taken I get off. what you mean, right? It's, you can't bank on it. But right? I think like, it was only game one where that solo advantage was really meaningful. Like, game two, I. Oh, I get what you mean, meaningful. Like, he it, still got solo kills in game two, but it didn't have the same impact. It didn't have the same impact, right? Like, the team fell behind and they had to team fight their way out. Uh, and, and game three was all about Draven just being like 10 yep. million. Yep. Yeah, yeah, game, I mean, we just, game so, three is game three, so, right? So, so, so game one, obviously, I agree that that was a huge benefit that he got the solo Avengers, but they still got bot lane turret. Yeah. And Senkooks played the tank TF and went uh, just like even in CS against perks. So I, I just think for Misfits, like, there is, a, there is this world where Fnatic are trying to get caps ahead that they actually do expose themselves in the side lanes and that can get punished. But I think it requires an MVP performance from Max Law specifically uh, because the lanes will not get hit on their own. We're not going to get that far solo kill. We're not going to get 2v2 kills bot in my opinion. We need Max Law and at some point Senkooks to go with them. Like Senkooks showed, he plays TF and he showed Malzahar. And we know he plays A-Sol. I mean, he's played that in the past, <laughs> right? Uh, so it was a very clear... We don't want to try and camp mid lane strategy. Yeah. It was we want Senkooks to go somewhere else and be. Can they prepared. win? And what percentage chance, uh, boys? Oh my god! It's just like I, I love it. I love it. This is the closest I get to try casting with two play by play. I think I'm not on three zero Fnatic. Mm. Um, Fnatic will win. Is my prediction, but. I don't know, I'm on 70-30. Remember I, last year that Reckless I called 3-1 the Coward's prediction. I think Misfits can take down Fnatic, and I think last year Misfits beat Fnatic in a semifinal. Um, I think Misfits show up in playoffs, and I think Max Law is That was so different. Of course it was. There's, of course it was. We've gone down memory lane. Like, I just want to quickly talk on that, uh, talk about that. Like the, the weakness of Fnatic last year was when teams hard camp mid. Yes. And when they had Power Weaver and, and Misfits... You know, they were like, oh, we, we will hard camp mid with him and Max Law, and they actually managed to do it, and Fnatic just, like, pfft, crashed. The main thing for me is Misfits found a weakness in their opponent team, Very which true. they exploited. Very true. true. Misfits found a weakness in the G2 team, which they exploited. So did I, Riot I, I think, team, by the way. When, I, when, you look at, when you look at Misfits, and you, you give them a lot of time to prep, I, just, yeah, yeah. I didn't believe going into the quarterfinals they were going to be able to do it. I regret not believing in them. Now you got to shift. I, and I think you I think they're gonna shift. I think. Oh, but game one I and think three. Gonna, I think one and three gonna... mid game was not clean snowballs. That scares me a bit. I mean, like, I think you have every right to be scared. Yes. I, I I do think. But you can after, see a realm of possibility. After quarterfinals, I can see the possibility. After quarterfinals, yeah, yeah, yeah. this went from like a ninety ten to like for me like a sixty forty. I would even go so far. Sure. Okay. I think I'm on seventy. We don't have to lock our votes yet, right? Because I, we I don't. Can do no, that. No, 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 no. I'm right now looking at a three-one, but I'm not done at all. Okay. Looking at the teams, because I think that like Fnatic, the last couple of weeks, yes, they got first place, but that was not you know extremely you know clean games yep. they played. There was a lot yep. of scrappiness. Maybe they were as a team they were kind of like trying to get used to reckless again. Whatever that's it was. Why I give Misfits a shot here? There are so many. Like Vitality showed us. 
that if you get ahead early game, and especially if you get ahead early game in the jungle matchup, those lanes can't play aggressive from Fnatic, this and patch, your jungler shows up. This patch and play style fits and suits the 9-0 and undefeated misfits from the beginning of the splits. That is true. And that's where I'm going. So I, I think I'm going that way. Winning. I think I am. I think I am. Okay. I'm, I'm still on the fence. I only have to lock my vote on like Thursday. All right. I'm on a three-month fanatic I'm not gonna, out, but we'll see. I'm not going to force you to lock anything just yet. Actually, wait unless we want to do a bet, but we can wait. We can talk about this next This invite is going to be sick, though. Vitality versus Schalke yes. is the next one. Now, this is one of my favorites personally because the, the clear... Clash of styles. Yes. Right? And I these are the absolute best, uh, in my experience, best of fives to cast because it is so clear for the audience, for the caster, for everyone, what to expect coming in. And when someone goes against the grain here, like Schalke wants to play early game or Vitality goes late game, you get to watch it basically for the first time. And if it works, it's just so nutty. It's like the rock, paper, scissors series, right? Yeah. So if Vitality get an early game lead, mm-hmm. you know, they throw rock and, and Schalke scissors in game one, that's it, they're wrecked. Game two, Schalke are able to fend off any of the, the early plays or, or, you know, hold kick is back and, and amazing decides to play League of Legends in the early game. And um, all of a sudden, Schalke can, can, can win that game. Um, it was not a great series for amazing in the quarterfinals. But, um, you know, when it, when, it, when it mattered and he needed to step up in game five with the Javan, he did. Um, yeah. I, I think I expect Vitality to be able to create more opportunities. I just don't know if I can trust them to convert those opportunities to wins cleanly. And that's where I get nervous. I'm excited for the upset Attila rivalry a lot, a lot. But before we go any deeper in the semifinal, I do have to call in the quarterfinals. This was an incredibly close series, as you already mentioned, and a, an atrocious series from Odawamne. And I feel like if Odawamne had played a little bit better, we might have seen a little bit of a different mm-hmm. result. Yeah, yeah. And I think that Schalke, as much as I want to praise them, as much as they absolutely earned that win... I think that there were so many opportunities and circumstances created by them getting free kills on Odo, overextending for, you know, for whatever reason. I wasn't in the team comps. I can't say, you know, why he was where he was. Um, giving them opportunities that they probably shouldn't have had. That said, Upset had a fantastic series. Um, towards the end. Towards the end. Um, you look at the that's, bigger picture. And that's the kind of thing you want to see in these high-pressure scenarios, especially from a guy who is, you know, who you always kind of wonder how he's going to perform Nuketek under pressure. getting solo killed was surprising. Now, admittedly, admittedly, there's a lot of support for Niski, a lot, especially mm-hmm. throughout the games. Niski but also I still didn't good. expect, even with gank support, for Nuketek to be quite literally owned the way that he was. You know, I expect him to be able to deal with that pressure a little more. So that's something I'd like to see... Uh, a little bit of work around, yeah. Um, for for this series against Vitality, you've been you've Did been you finish over there, or yeah. Well, here's my question: You've been a huge advocate of, of Schalke this season. You're the duck. Uh, we might we made a video about it. You might have seen it. It's musical. <laughs> it involves this cowbell. Um, <laughs> So, like, w- what did you think of this performance? How did it compare to regular season Schalke for you? Is this an improvement? Is this a downgrade? Like, what what weaknesses or strengths did you see that you didn't see before? I'm just uh, making sure I remember everything in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, I think Schalke's late game was was solid, which has kind of been the case during the split as well. I think it heavily benefited them getting uh, upset on a scaling eighty carry. So they're not on a clock because I don't I don't like Schalke on a timer. Schalke needs to snowball early game and then be really fast. I don't like it because their barons are still not great, and they played the slow grind when they want to finish yep. games. It's like you get they take every jungle camp from you. They try and deny you as much farm and side lanes as possible, but it means they enemy eighty carry, 
will get to his items, which is what happened with Copy, uh, but uh, Copy Copper. Uh, but because they had a scaling AD carry on Schalke's side at the end, it didn't actually matter too much because Upset could just match what Copy did, and that was a big advantage. So I think Schalke's late game is, is good. And I like when they get to play all three lanes and they do this slow grind against you as long as they have scaling on their side. Their early game, however, is where I'm concerned, especially against aggressive junglers, because I think Xerse had the, the best series he's played uh, all split long. Uh, also the first series, but he had he played the best. The best uh, games. The he's best played. games he'd played. And a lot of it a lot of it was him being an early ganker, yeah. you know, especially around mid lane, which was easy, honestly, uh, for him to to pull off. And I look at Kikis. Well, Kikis is not necessarily the guy who will permagang your lanes, but he will try and invade your jungler. Like, he's obviously going to do it. If it means, hey, if I if I go mid lane and kill Nukedog once, me and Jisuke have free access to go into the enemy jungle. Like, that's obviously then going to be a thing that they're looking to do. And also with Kikis, and I said this on PGL, like, he's the kind of player I don't want to face in a best of five just because of the unpredictable nature of how he plays. And, I mean, in the past, he's brought out all these different things. We don't know if he's going to do that now. But I get a little bit scared if I'm Schalke and I look at the key person on Vitality's side being a player who has no fear, who wants to be aggressive in the early game, and potentially could be really difficult to deal with in a best of five. It's just, it's really difficult because it's probably one of the weakest individual members of Schalke, regardless of what else Amazing contributes to the team, but in terms of, like, individual mechanics, Amazing's probably one of the weakest versus one of the strongest in terms of, like, early game threats on the side of Vitality. Like, this is the guy usually building them advantages, and Amazing's usually the guy, like, sitting back, playing for the team, playing more defensively. So it does feel like Kikis is just going to dictate everything that happens in the early game. But that's obviously... Better or worse, Exactly. Right? Yeah. That can yes. that can backfire, right? Yeah. If... If, if Vitality try and draft a bit of scaling on their side as well, and they and Kikis tries to play aggressive in the early game, like you can punish him for sure. And because it's it's not just Kikis alone; it's what the team does with Kikis that's so uh, strong. And then suddenly Schalke wins the. If Schalke goes even in the early game, like it's one hundred percent in their I mean, favor. Go back to the tiebreaker day where Vitality and Schalke opened that day up. And we had 30 minutes of stalemate, pretty close, pretty clean plays. And and I mean, there was one or two bold invades from Kikis that I remember that that you know were yeah, potentially actually, very very risky. And and they weren't punished as as hard as Cabo didn't could move down when he did. Like, but I look at moments like that and I think to myself, what if it doesn't go well? What if what if Kikis is going forward and and you know Vitality played through Kikis recently a lot. Um, Jazuki's Galio and and using that to the sidelines and, and and whatnot, trying to yeah. back up and play around Kikis, it, it has that double edged nature of where it, where it can backfire. But for me, yes, Kikis is the guy that starts the play. How amazing and Schalke respond determines who wins in my yeah. mind. Because if they're prepared for it and ready, and they have either a cross map available or they can punish it, you you can play around that style um, and respond. I think Schalke have an edge. If they're ready and if they read it. I mean, and that's the thing, right? I think I think Schalke, they, they just play the game differently. They try and like really focus a lot more. And again, like playing these multiple lanes and like they would call themselves a macro team, I guess, in mm -hmm. that regard. But as I said before here, like if they go even in the early game, it's 100% in their favor. I don't mean that they're necessarily going to win the game. I just mean they're past the biggest weakness, which is the early game. So that is obviously good. I think though Vitality's team fighting has gotten better. It was a criticism I had for them last split. Uh, one was Barons. Obviously, we were like, this is... Barons setups <laughs> this is are terrible, and you're just 50-50-ing every Baron. Uh, the setups are still a bit shaky, but they're getting better. But then the, the actual team fighting, I think Attila has done a lot better 
in team fights and he's become a, a big threat for the team. And as long as they have engage, that's the thing. As long as they mm -hmm. bring engage with them, they can actually team fight very well because they're all on the same page. They're quick to pull the trigger and jump you. The moment they don't bring engage and they have to actually set up the fight like slowly, to me, it doesn't work. So Jack Troll just walks in on his own at some point, or Kikis tries to flank and dies. Like that, that doesn't work for me. So I have questions in terms of draft there, but I actually think late game, in terms of pure team fighting, it's going to be pretty even between the teams. And it's not just going to be Schalke favorite, which is why I look at Vitality as the favorites in the series. Ooh, give me a percentage. I'll take Trevor's thing 60 40 Vitality. Ooh, still close though. I mean, yeah. I'm definitely not... The tiebreaker... Because there's also... You say engage is, like, crucial, but there's so much engage in the meta. I mean... Yeah, I mean, Maokai it's not is being find, played. Well, even, <clears throat> even if you step back, like, we talked a lot about the teams and sort of play styles and stuff, but the individual stories coming into this is amazing as well. You know, a rivalry that has grown. It's not really super in the public eye, but it's a little bit more on the production side, but, you know, upset versus Attila, the two rookie Eddie carries that came in the split. Um, last split, it was Attila standing above upset, laughing his ass off all the mm -hmm. way through to the third place match. Yeah, I wrote an article about but upset and then he choked and then it, Attila right. was like yelling at me like, Now, upset has definitely found a bit more groove, found a bit more comfort on stage and, and, the, the two guys are willing to throw a little bit of banter back and forth. We heard Amazing talking about Vitality, Yamato talking about Shelka, and, you know, throwing some shade, you know, talking about attitudes. But even if you just look at the matchup, Amazing versus Kikis, these are guys that have been playing for six, seven, eight years, I think. I think Kikis yep. and Amazing go back to season one, season yep, two yeah, days. Season one. And they're still competitive. They're still they're now in the top four of Europe in the 2018 season. Like it's mind blowing to think about it. I remember Acer Amazing, I think, playing on, on That's Team All Acer, I ever knew him as right back, back Acer in, in, in season one. And you've got this this old man reactive leader, emotional style in Amazing. And then you've got the the egocentric, I'm gonna win everything, young, hungry kickers. Like you know, there's not even that young. He's no, still exactly, better, but, right. yeah. but, but you know what I mean? Points, and, and that like like style. Um, and then one last one that I want to look at. Uh, the year of Nuke Duck taking on the Italian Stallion. Right? Like bragging rights for mid the best. The best part is Nuke Duck hasn't looked like the center of the team and the Italian Stallion has now been popping off this season. Exactly. So it's like, it's like the wounded Stallion <laughs> and like we may have mislabeled the calendar. It might have needed to stay hey, the year of upset. One to eight of Nuke Duck <laughs> yes. for now. The weeks. The, now it's the, the two uh, months of Nuke Duck. And the now two it's months of, <laughs> the weekend of Nuke Duck. If both teams play at their absolute best... Both teams start their absolute best. Can Schalke survive enough early game to win late game? Because the thing is that they play... What is the absolute yeah, best? Yeah. It's so hard. Like, man. when you think of their ceilings, when you think of their best... Because I think Vitality played place. close to their best the last couple of weeks, which is why they got that second place. Yep. Um, and I hope that same Vitality shows up in this semifinal. Sometimes when teams have an extra week to prep, it ends up becoming a curse because... It's hard for them sometimes to get proper practice the first week because you yep. know you're not actually playing that weekend. But they, really, there's no excuse. You got to watch five games of Schalke, yep. five pick and ban phases, and they've only had a week then to try and change that. You've had two weeks. Like I hope Vitality come in insanely prepared. I want to see as well because not only for Vitality is this shot in finals and whatnot, but if you assume that Fnatic and Vitality win, Vitality, the fact they place fourth, 
have the biggest foot in the door in qualifying to the World Championships on Championship points. They're guaranteed to go to Worlds if they make final against yeah. Fnatic. Second guaranteed. or third, if they take second or third on Championship points with Fnatic, they go on Champ points. As long as they go with Fnatic, I believe it's guaranteed. Otherwise, the only way they miss it now is if they get also, also, Fnatic versus Vitality final when Fnatic were the ones saying Vitality's the only team we don't want to play last season. Yeah, you said Misfits had the best chance of beating Fnatic. I'd say Vitality. Yeah, that's what hypes me up, dude. Oof. Good Vitality. I Let's, just don't know. I don't know if I trust Vitality to prep well enough to take down oh, uh, multi- Flame in the tomato cannon? Uh, yeah. I, I think onion. Misfits <laughs> and, and the support staff are uh, more adept and equipped at preparing for, for the potential unknown of a six-man roster than Potato Famine could be. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, Tomato Canyon, he can, he can pick a different shirt maybe. But uh, I don't know. Harsh. We'll have to see. I mean, that's I, the part I, we I, clip yeah. out and put as yeah. our teaser. <laughs> that's one. the part right there. Oh, man. Yeah, Misfits do have the track record in the history there. That's for yep. sure going for them. Uh, one last run through. Soft predictions. The playoff or the prediction game is afoot at the moment, so I won't make you guys lock anything else because you guys would just waffle on me later anyways. Um, so... Vitality, Schalke. 3-2 Vitality. <gasps> he leaves the train. Oh, the conductor has left man. the train. Hey, the train can still keep going, you know. Yeah, uh, without a conductor. It can, yeah. Into the mountain. Sure, we'll to, see what happens. To crash and burn. We'll see what happens. My, my head is telling me Don't trust you. Trust your feelings. Vitality should be able to win the series. However, I can't shake the feeling that I think they're going to choke under pressure and Schalke will step up. Ooh. I think Schalke are you the new got a, a rude awakening in quarterfinals, and I think Schalke are going to beat Vitality. How You're my, the new oh, conductor three, of the train. Three, Congrats. I'm on board. 3-0? I, I, I think... If, that, if Vitality I choke, you this. can go 3-0 here. No, I think a 3-1. I think Kickers can win one game. And then they but choke. I think, I, I think so. Interesting. I, I think, think so. I'm hoping for five games. I'm going to give it to Vitality. I'm with the Fisherman on this one. I didn't. That was a messy series from Schalke. A week is not a lot of time. So we have left the train. Trevor has jumped. Trevor is the I conductor. Have, I have. I look and we don't know one, if you're hitting a mountain. Or I look not. at the ten and one Schalke that had a messy week nine and tiebreaker and quarterfinal. And I think they'll they'll go back to the. That's a lot like, of. That's a lot of messiness right there. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. A big look at our history. A lot of personal stories uh, shared in the history of the. Man, EULCS. if someone really do not care about personal castle stories, the first thirty minutes are going to be so boring. I'm and like, that, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, is why one. we have timestamps, which I'm now telling you at the end after you've presumably watched all the stories that you weren't that excited about. So hopefully, we can know. cut so that you actually get to see this at first. It's just you randomly saying timestamps, and then <laughs> don't forget there are timestamps. <laughs> as Trevor's like, yeah, then we were sitting there pantsless on the stage. It's like, guys, reminder: there are timestamps. You can skip this if you don't want to hear about Trevor being pantsless. It's always an option, folks. And tell them, Trevor, <laughs> thank you for joining us. We uh, don't have a bet now. Oh, do Last we time we didn't have a bet, people flamed us. That's true. We need a bet. We need to... Uh, Terrible time to throw it in. No, because now we, we cut. Okay. And then we come back. Ah, we can lean back. Well, friends, we almost left without a bet. But like always, we forgot and then remembered and then brainstormed for 10 minutes behind the scenes to think of a bet on the fly. You'd think we'd plan this ahead of time, it being our 11th episode and all, but you'd be surprised at how bad we are sometimes. It is very true. Uh, but we have finally found a bet. Now these guys are going to be betting on Schalke versus Vitality this week. Trevor on the side of Schalke, uh, Deficio on the side of Vitality. Now Trevor, if he wins, yes. gets to be the conductor, gets to take everything from Deficio, Yes, uh, I will in Reddit check show up, uh, you know, in our little recording, 
and I will personally hand over the Nuke Duck hype train conductor. And, and publicly apologize. And apologize to Trevor yeah. and, of course, Nuke Duck for leaving the hype train in the first place uh, and give it to Trev so he can be the, the official conductor the official conductor of the Schalke it's, and Nuke Duck hype It's train. especially special because of just how good Nuke Duck has been playing this year. And I have a legacy of... And I started uh, that hype train. Of, 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 it's of, questioning and discussing. I still believe in you, Nuke Duck. Now, I don't believe the, in you, The inverse, of course, if Vitality win, I then need to do a formal public apology to you as well as Yamato. And Yamato Cannon because for, you just flamed him before. For, for doubting their ability to, to adapt oh, yeah. and prep to, and, and get Simple. in there. Classic. Also, I will remove the conductor stuff from okay. Trevor. Got it. Got it. After he's because I am I am officially a You are not allowed to even be looked at as a potential conductor. Got it. And I, you guys have to be let's be clear here, because people at home are gonna be like, how does this compare to making a music video or dancing around like a duck? And the reason is, is 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 one, it is hard to beat folks. We can't music video every time. It takes a lot of effort. Um, but you guys have to really grovel here. Like I wanna be convinced that you are as sorry as you ever could have been. I want I will, this to be like. I will take a little bit of inspiration from the Deficio Kassing interview of oh. Spring Splits. Mm, that's good. Yes. That's good. I like and that. and I think, you know, hear. go back to that, you know, Euphoria episode and bit. Um, it, it was a good one. But I think that would be the inspiration, you know, really extreme public apology. Really own the and mistake. It's going to be in Reddit check. Really own we the mistake. We want to try and put it in Reddit yes. check. Yes. We'll get it. There, there, there's, be, there's a bunch of producers who need to say yes. Yeah. Worst case, <laughs> we don't have the authority media. to make that decision, but we're making that decision, folks. All right, cool. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, there's our bet. Once again, this has been the Euphoria Podcast. It's available on a bunch of different stuff, but I told you that at the start, and we're not going to do it again because the official will call this the worst outro ever. So instead... It's currently the third worst outro. Third worst outro. That, you heard it here, folks. Well, thank you for listening to episode 11, also known as the episode with the third worst outro. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, thanks, Trevor, once again. My pleasure. Pro player.